but he's sovereign. He can do anything he wants. He's causing all things to work together for good. So he's good and he's sovereign. So since he's always good and always sovereign, I can always have a heart attitude of gratitude towards him. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Well, it is Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. That being so, I have a question for you. Are you thankful? If you're like me, one big battle in life is fighting the urge to be so fixated on the trials of life that you forget the abundance of God's goodness lavished on you in Christ. And in doing so, you find yourself to be in a very thankless state. In this episode, Bill Bushhouse will encourage us to remember the abundant goodness of God. And when this becomes our reality, we find that we can't help but be thankful. So join us as Bill leads in this, the second of a two-part series on Thanksgiving. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is uh, part two of our little talk about um, Thanksgiving what it means to be a thankful person. Uh, If you'll recall, if you heard the uh, previous session, I told you that the word thankful or thanks in the New Testament, the word almost exclusively used to translate it thanksgiving or thanks is Eucharist. Like we say about our Holy Communion, we say, oh yeah, that's the Eucharist. And uh, as we said last hour, that you, good, you, the good grace of God, charis, right in the middle of the word. So thankfulness is always recognizing in every circumstance the good grace of God. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. I wanted to just make a few observations from a few passages Uh, In the New Testament, I wanted to look at another Old Testament example. Uh, I was mentioning to Kelly between sessions here that it's sad that so many of the illustrations of thankfulness are in the negative, are in the negative. That is, a people who are not thankful, a people who are not thankful. You, You recall probably some of the historic Psalms where they are recounting Israel coming out of Egypt. And it says he brought them through the Red Sea, he provided manna, and they praised the Lord, but they forgot his good word. They forgot, you see. And um, yeah, I believe a person is either thankful or he's not. A person is either thankful or she's not. Um, It's not a thing we can put on and put off. Again, it is an attitude, an internal attitude of thankfulness, knowing that every breath I take, every move I make, is because of the goodness and kindness of God. Two things uh, sustain my life. Uh, I hate that word, things. Uh, Two truths of our Lord Jesus Christ sustain me. That is his sovereignty and his goodness, right? His sovereignty means he can. If he was merely good but not sovereign, he'd say, well, Bill, I'm uh, I wish I could do something there, but you know I'm good. But I just, but he's sovereign. He can do anything he wants. He's causing all things to work together for good. So he's good and he's sovereign. 
So since he's always good and always sovereign, I can always have a heart attitude of gratitude towards him. Likewise, uh, as opportunity presents itself, I can provide, I can give a verbal and or behavioral expression of that internal heart. That's how, we're, that's how I'm defining thankfulness, right? An expression of the internal heart of gratitude. Every now and then, not too often. But, uh, yeah, I'd say regularly that uh, it just dawns on me. I'll say, Lord, I want to give a thank offering. And I, I see that word in, in the Psalms a lot, give a thanks offering, give an offering of thanksgiving. And what I've uh, come to believe by that and behave accordingly is I'll say, Father, it's, I just, I just want to express my gratitude to you by giving to someone in need. And I will pray. I will pray, Father, show me, bring along my path someone who needs something, a uh, financial gift, uh, whatever it might be. But Lord, and then it's amazing, he does, you know, right across my path. And I will give and uh, say, Father, this is just a thanks offering to you. You know, I'll tell God that. I won't tell the individual that. This is just a thanks offering. So you're either thankful or you're not. You either have a heart of gratitude that is being expressed or you do not. I want to start today in uh, the book of Romans. We're going to start in Romans and end in Romans. How's that? Uh, this session might be a little shorter. I can't believe I said that, but it might be. So turn to Romans chapter 1, a very interesting a declaration about thanksgiving. In your Bibles, I'm in Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 16. To get to the point where he talks mentions thanksgiving, I, th I think it's good to at least try to understand what he's saying up to it. Paul says this, chapter 1, verse 16 of Romans, For I am not ashamed of the, of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. Let me pause. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of something. Well, Paul, why aren't you ashamed of it? Because it's the only power of salvation. There's no other way people can be saved. So I'm not going to be ashamed of the only antidote for sin. Right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God. For in it, it being the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith, from faith to faith. In other words, it's being established from faith position of faith, beginning with Abraham, to faith, to the position, to, to where I believe, right? From faith to faith. The, the gospel started in faith, it ends in faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Righteous man shall live by faith. Paul shift gears, shifts gears a little bit uh, in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let me pause there. The problem, um, the problem is not that people don't know the truth. The problem is that they suppress the truth. This is what the scriptures say. So we, when we're talking with people, uh, you know, if circumstances and the Holy Spirit permits, we remind them, no, you, you, you do know that, <laughs> you know, you do know that, but people suppress the truth and unrighteousness, 
Here's why Paul knows that is true. Because that which is known about God is evident within them because God made it evident to them. God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they were without excuse. People cannot say, I did not have enough light from God. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. That's what I'm working up to. Isn't that amazing? You, would, you, know, you know what the rest of the chapter contains, I think. It's a pretty rotten description of mankind, isn't it? But where does it start? Where does this uh, plummet into a de- depravity, where does it begin? It begins when people do not honor God as God or give thanks. Or give thanks. Think of that. A thankless people. That's why, and I'll repeat, that you're either thankful or you're not. Uh, a, thank, uh, a, th- a thankless person is a, is, is a, a complainer, a grumbler. They're discontent for sure. They just don't give thanks. They do not recognize the good grace in their lives, the grace that God has given. And from that point, it's a downward spiral. When we stop giving thanks, it's a downward spiral. Ellen and I have a little uh, habit, and it's a good one. We try to have our two of our children live here in the Fredericksburg area, Emma and Isaac, and we try to. Ellen tries to cook them uh, a meal once a week. There's weeks we miss, <clears throat> but she tries to cook them a meal, and they come over together, and we have a meal together, and then. Another tradition we have is that on Saturdays, uh, when Isaac's not working and Emma's not teaching school, we try to meet up over at Hilda's for lunch. Um, I don't say we do both of these every week, but I'd say we do at least one of them every week. But one of the greatest pleasures for me out of the whole thing, I love seeing my children, of course, but at the end, I like a simple, you know, just to hear from them, Dad, thanks for the lunch. Or, Mom, thanks for cooking. And I know, I believe with all my heart, it's from their hearts. Uh, It's just an expression that neither of us had to do that. We were not compelled to do that. So you're either thankful or you're not. And if you're not thankful, you're in a downward spiral. You see life negatively. Uh, you can't see good in, in God or, or anybody, maybe, as far as that goes. Uh, and think of this. It all starts with not being thankful to God. Okay, turn in your Bibles now um, to one of my favorite examples. Again, I, I there's so many negative examples, it's hard to find a positive one except that one guy who returned to thank Jesus, the ten lepers. I want you to turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel, a great, great uh, event in the life of of Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, uh, And it's it's been a very foundational thought to me in in my life as a Christian, not as an unbeliever, but as a Christian. It's been very important to me, and it's going to take a little bit of time. So bear with me, but I, I, I trust it will bear good fruit in this uh, understanding of an expression, a behavioral, I'm shifting gears a little here, a behavioral expression of this um, 
heart-centered attitude. All right? Let's, um, let me preface everything until I, we jump into the passage. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And his dream is that, uh, you know, he sees this tree chopped down and, you know, and beast. And he, it's just a, one of those strange dreams that Nebuchadnezzar has. And uh, so he has this dream, and Daniel interprets it to him. And he says this. Verse 24. I'm going to pick it up in verse 24. 424. Hard to jump in here. It's like trying to get into a skip rope game, you know, <laughs> while, it's, while the rope's moving. But let's jump in at uh, 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beast of the field, that you be given grass to eat like cattle, that you be drenched with the dew of heaven, and that seven periods of time will pass over you. I think that's seven years. Seven periods of time will pass over you. Listen to this now. Catch this. Until you recognize something, King, until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows upon it whomever he wishes. God is sovereign. We see that God is good because of all the things he's bestowed upon Nebuchadnezzar, but now there's something he's forgotten or will forget. But that's just the interpretation of the dream. Verse 26, And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is the king of heaven who rules. Um. I have some pat phrases that I use at church or other places when people are complaining about our political officials. I would say there is no authority given except that which is established by God. <laughs> yeah, it's just true, isn't it? You're right. The, the, the God puts someone up and puts another down. So anyway, don't let me stray there. So now, after the dream, this is just the interpretation, Daniel gives his advice. Therefore, O king... My advice to you, may it be pleasing, break away now from your sins by doing righteousness. This is a behavioral expression, right? And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be prolonging of your prosperity. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king, verse 28. Stage curtains go down, right? And then verse uh, 29 begins 12 months later. Okay, this is one year later. He's had this dream, Daniel interprets it, and life goes on as usual, right? He eats as well, drinks as well, has as many wives as he pleases, does as he will, you know, goes here and there, destroys countries, takes them captive, leads them to Babylon, does as he wills. Nevertheless, 12 months later, he, that is Nebuchadnezzar, was walking in the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. The king reflected and said, now listen, here is an expression of what's going on in his heart. Catch it. Ours may not be this blatant, but I think it is the heart of a thankless person. The king reflected and said, is not this Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence 
by the might of my power for the glory of my majesties. Note the pronouns. I, myself, my. To whom is he giving the honor and glory for where he's at? He's giving it to himself. While the word, I'm in verse 31 now, while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away from mankind. Your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be giving grass to eat like cattle. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it upon whom he wishes. Now the dream is is fulfilled. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end, now listen, this is Nebuchadnezzar. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My reason returned to me. Now listen how his words, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all of the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. So no one can ward off his hand or say, what hast thou done? At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors, my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and my surpassing greatness was added. But now, now something's changed. Yes, he did get his kingdom back. Yes, he did get his majesty. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true in his ways and he's able to humble those who walk in pride. I believe his behavior changed. You know, it'd be be crazy to think that it didn't. So isn't that an amazing story? And you think, well, it's fiction. It's not fiction. It happened in history. Does the Lord have to repeat those kind of things, by the way? I want to skip forward in my thinking here. I'm looking at the clock tick away. And let me give you an exercise. Let me give you um, something to do. Uh, I want you to take a piece of paper, or at least uh, in your mind, on your cell phone, somewhere, I want you to list, I want you to list everything that God has given you. I'm talking about your eyesight, I'm talking about your ability to reason, I'm talking about your family, your clothes, all your goods, right, all your devices, all your athletic ability, all your music ability. I want to talk about all your food. I want to talk about the job you've had or have. Talk about your friends, your family. On and on. You don't have time to write all that down, do you? No one has time. But imagine you've written it down or write down the main things. Now, now imagine this. Like Nebuchadnezzar. This is a serious exercise. I want you to do it. (laughs) Imagine in a moment. God takes everything away. 
everything. Now you're blind. You can't hear. You have no musical skills. If you could, move your arms. Your reason has been destroyed. Your friends, you don't even know they exist. And there you lie, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, in that condition, I'm not going to leave you there, don't worry. In that condition, right, of nothingness, God gives you back the ability to think. And God says this, Bill, I will grant you 20 wishes. 20. We play the game, if you could have one wish, what would you wish for? Right? Well, now you're getting 20. You're getting 20 wishes. And I'm saying, laying there, and I would say, I would probably say, God, I'd like to see. I'd like my eyes to work. Good. It's granted. 19 more. God, I'd like to be able to hear. Hear the birds sing. Hear the music I like. Granted, 18 more. Uh, God, I'd like you to restore my salvation. 17. I'd like you, I want my wife back. 16. Keep going. I'd like Emma and Isaac and my children back. I don't know if that would be four wishes or one. (laughs) On and on you would go, wouldn't you? I'd like my house. I'd like my job. I'd like my cars. I'd like my skills. I'd like my musical abilities. I'd like my athletic abilities. I'd like the Lord restore my education. I want to be smart again. (laughs) And after the 20, you would discover something. You would discover that you... What you asked for are the things you have right now. Right now. Yet we are such thankless, we don't recognize that everything we are and have are because of the good grace of God. Because of the good grace of God. Isn't it nice that God is not going to take away all those things? But is it not Um, somewhat shocking to imagine that he would and that if I asked for things in return, I would ask for the things I have right now. I know there's some smart Alex out there who on their 20th wish would ask for, you know, $20 billion. I, you know, that's (laughs) in Bitcoin, but uh, that's okay. You get that one too. But isn't, is it not amazing that we are not content? We are not thankful with what we have, with what we have. Uh, it's a good exercise. I actually do it uh, and uh, remind myself of it. Um, as most of you know, I can't walk. I was in a car accident at the age of 19. I'll be 70 in January. Uh, I don't have the abilities that some of you have uh, as far as mobility is concerned, but that's okay. <laughs> I've got so much more to be thankful for. So much more. I want to end with two of my favorite of all time passages on Thanksgiving. One does not mention the word Thanksgiving, uh, but it is the way I see it. 
And while we're in Psalms, let's, uh, or in the Old Testament, let's switch back to Psalms real quickly. Psalm 116. Um, Psalm 116. I got a few minutes remaining. I'm going to try to explain this. I'm going to end, like I promised, going to end back in Romans. Psalm 116. He asked himself, the psalmist asks himself a question in verse 12. Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Mm. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Look at this answer. I think this is the most beautiful answer to this question. Look what he says. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. (laughs) What? What does that mean? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I'll lift up the cup of salvation. Where does the cup of salvation come from? Well, it comes from who? It comes from God. A cup is often pictured as something you drink and every, all the goodness in it, you drink it and partake of it. Or the opposite could be true. It could be punishment. God says to Israel, I'm going to make you drink of this cup of my wrath. And Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. So what is he saying here? The way I can give thank to the Lord is drink fully of the salvation he has provided, right? In other words, if I uh, said to someone, let's say a a young man, young woman who who did not have the resources, and they they were very intelligent and they wanted to go to college, and I said, hey, listen, I want to give you a full ride, four-year I want to pay your tuition. I want to pay your room. I want to pay your board. I'm going to give you enough money to go to a football game, you know. And it's all on me. And the person would say, what can I render to you? What can I do to thank you for this, right? And I could say, take up the gift I've given and be a good steward of it. Does that make sense? Is that any better? I will take up the cup of salvation I will take what God has given and I will use it well. I think that is the behavioral expression of gratitude. Father, I am thankful, so I am not going to waste the grace you have given me, the cup of salvation. Um, That might not make a lot of sense, but it makes uh, uh, just a lot of sense, and it's been very helpful to me. How can I thank God? I can thank God by yielding to the Spirit of Christ, right, that he might live that salvation life through me. I shall take up the cup of salvation and call upon the Lord. But I'm going to end with this real quickly. Flip back now to Romans. And this is Paul writing after, after Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, where he told us all the wonderful grace of God, all the wonderful things that are ours, even in light of our sin. And Paul says... I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, in light of all these mercies that I've just told you in chapters 1 through 11, what do we do? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. For me, that's Thanksgiving, right? It's included in there. The word's not there, but it's there. In light of the mercies of God, I'm going to say, Father, I'm yours. I present my body to you to be conform- to be transformed, right? In my mind, I'm yours. 
do with me as you please. And all my life, in other words, let me sum up what I believe, uh, what Psalm 116, Romans 12 here is saying. It's this, my entire life lived out in the spirit of Christ is nothing more than a thanks offering to God, saying, God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for giving me your spirit. Father, thank you for your abundance of grace, and I will recognize that grace, that Eucharist in my life, and constantly express this attitude in my heart of gratitude toward you. Well, I hope that's been beneficial somewhat. Um, And um, hey, I'll talk to you next time. So long. Happy Thanksgiving, alumni and listeners. And thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill podcast. Our 47th annual Thanksgiving conference began on Tuesday of this week and concludes tomorrow. And it has been a wonderful week so far. It is always a blessing to see familiar faces return to the hilltop and meet new faces each year during this time. If you would like to join in on what's happening on the hilltop this week, you can head on over to our website at hishill.org to listen to sessions from Peter Reed and Peter Thomas. Session times can be found on our website as well. Thank you again for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. And on behalf of the staff here at the Hill, I'd like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.